Praise God. Well, I just want to welcome you to uh, this morning. Um, we felt that uh, it was just important just to start the word with, with just a celebration of, uh, of, you know, what Jesus has done for us at the cross. And uh, my name is Pastor Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Manningham Christian Center. And, and again, if you've just joined us, um, uh, we're just so wrapped uh, to have you here. It's just uh, so meaningful, really, that uh, although I can't see your face, um, I can certainly I, I certainly know um, that it's, an, it's our honour and privilege to be joining you in your lounge room, bedroom, wherever you're seeing this. It's just super, super exciting. So today is uh, the second, second instalment of Jehovah Rapha. You know, we were having this conversation. Some people say Rapha, some people say Rapha. But the point is this, is Jehovah Rapha is, uh, is all about the name of God. God called himself, I am. We read that throughout the Bible, I am. And he said this about this name, Jehovah Rapha. He said, I am the God that heals you. I am the God that heals. And so, you know, I, a little while ago, um, uh, in around about August, September last year, I really just felt that the Lord had said to me that, uh, that this year was going to be a significant year of healing and a, a significant year of hope. And uh, if you're watching this and you need healing and, and you need hope, what I hope to be able to do today is just simply build in, build in a little bit of information and around what healing is, what healing is, and uh, how that is going to uh, that how that is going to build us at the moment. Fantastic! So we've just got a little wayward camera there, but that's okay. We're 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 high tech here, and uh, it's uh, just so super exciting. The team is doing a magnificent job this morning. Hey, isn't it fantastic that we can have people join in from their loud dreams? Great job, Rose. Uh, great to. See see the Lord family there and uh, we're going to be looking for more lounge rooms that we're going to be able to uh, stream in in the future. So Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Rapha. Um, healing uh, can be a a tricky area in the church. Um, healing can be uh, it's significant, of course, when somebody gets healed. Just, just recently, I remember in one of our services where we had people in the room uh, and, uh, and there was a person who had a uh, severe back condition and uh, soreness in their back. And uh, there was a word of knowledge. And what a word of knowledge is, is when, uh, when the Lord, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and then is able and then we're able to know something that we would not yet, we would not have been able to know otherwise, right? And so uh, the word of knowledge that God was healing somebody's back and, uh, and that person's back was completely healed. Well, they were overjoyed completely and totally. And it was like, oh my goodness, one minute it's sore, next minute it's not, the pain's gone and somebody was healed, right? And so healing can be this, this overjoyful, this joyous thing that, that is just like, wow, mind-blowing every single time. Um, but it can be, a bit of a dangerous subject as well because healing requires faith, right? It, it requires stepping out. It requires 
results because the truth is I don't want to be up here talking about healing and yet never seeing it take place right and so it's like this moment of well you know we can talk about it we can preach about it we can teach about it but we've got a bit we've got to do it right we've got to outwork the promises that God has for us and uh, today we're going to be um, working that through uh, and uh, we're going to be focusing upon that but it requires results it requires reliance and so when we say reliance it's it's a reliance um, not upon our own uh, strength it's not a reliance upon our own uh, ability to heal it's a reliance upon the Lord it's a reliance upon what God is doing what the Holy Spirit is doing and so you know there's a responsibility that we have but there is a reliance upon what he uh, is doing so it requires faith it requires stepping out it requires results it requires reliance and I'm here to tell that it requires worship and I'm going to unpack that a little bit later on this is going to be the beginning of a two-part sermon that I'm going to be preaching so uh, this is going to be I'm pretty excited about it all so most people who have been around the church for you know five minutes anything more than five minutes have either heard or witnessed a time when a prayer for healing has not resulted in a person being healed we've all experienced that and unfortunately some people around the church have been hurt really 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 hurt by well-meaning people by me by people who mean well they've been hurt by people who have been trying to you know outwork that faith and build their faith and laying hands on people but unfortunately as a result of it have actually hurt people in a significant way as well Today, I'm hoping to help you, us together, draw the connection around healing, the role of worship, and perhaps we can get to dispelling some beliefs that have impacted your own life at some point. So I want you to turn to this person beside you and say, are you ready to dive in? Are you ready to dive in? And you might say, well, I haven't had my second coffee yet, so let me just uh, dip the toe in. If you just want to dip your toe in, that's fine. But for everyone else, let's dive into this. Number one, my point number one is this, worship. Worship is key in healing. And the reason why worship is key in healing is because we... uh, we focus ourselves upon the Lord and what he is doing. Often when we need healing, we, uh, uh, we become the focus because we are in pain. If you uh, were to stub your toe in the bathroom or stub your toe in the kitchen, no matter where you are, what becomes your focus? Your focus suddenly becomes, my gosh, my toe is in pain you know somebody could say here here's a million dollars and no your focus will still be uh, on the pain in your toe right and that and, and that is that becomes our focus and so often in our in our process of looking for healing often what we can can do unfortunately is we can forget we can forget the area and the nature of worship of always giving worth back to God and and that's regardless of our condition that's regardless of what we're experiencing and it's regardless of uh, whether we are seeing uh, um, you know seeing results in our health or or in our pain 
in the toe, for example, right? So I want to talk about first how when we uh, step into that place of worship, when we step into that place of, uh, of turning our focus from, from our own need for healing, from our own um, uh, area that, that we're focusing upon, uh, and we turn it to the Lord. You may need a healing in a marriage. You may need healing in um, oh, any area of your life, really. You may need healing in, in uh, gosh, um, your finances. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, I used to um, uh, have a, uh, a um, Kingswood and man, that needed healing often. You know what I mean? You may need healing just to get your car started in the morning, whatever it might be. But the truth is this, is that um, whatever, it, whatever the area of healing you need, you cannot give worth to the Lord. You cannot step into that place of, of worship until you have turned your focus, so the focus of your mind. We know that the Bible says, and I'm going to run you through a bunch of scripture in just a few moments, but um, it, it, it's, 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 look, I'm going to share with you a story here. You ready? So it's, this is a story of a lady. She, she uh, is in a uh, middle-aged lady, uh, Middle-aged, 50s, that's middle-aged, you know, the closer I get to it, 50s is very young. Um, but the point is this, is that th this, this story starts to help us paint a picture around refocusing our thoughts and our mind back to that place of giving worth, giving worship to the Lord in spite of our need for healing, right? So I'm just going to read this story to you. This, this lady, in her own words, said this. One of the things I didn't understand for the first 40 years of my life, she calls the first 40 years of her life the wilderness, right? Is, is that when we seek healing and help from God, there are layers of healing that can happen when we become aware of our thoughts, aware of our thought life. And so... This lady wrote this. I've suffered from OCD and anxiety since I was a young child for many years. I also suffered from a low level form of depression. It's a persistent depressive disorder that she was diagnosed with. She goes on to say, I can still remember as a child praying earnestly for God to take away my fears, but they never went away. I was so confused by this. And I think at some point in my tween teen life, I gave up asking. And she actually writes that she almost feels guilty about the fact that she stopped asking the Lord for healing. She goes on to say, <clears throat> now let me say that I didn't lose my testimony. I still believed in God. I felt God guide me throughout my life, especially in major decisions. Although I was always afraid that somehow I would make the wrong decisions and mess up God's eternal plan forever. Can anybody relate to feeling like that sometimes? She goes on to say, I felt the spirit on many occasions. I was diligent in scripture, study, prayer, church attendance, and worship, uh, and worship privately. I served overseas in a mission, and I married in the church. In other words, she said, I did everything that I thought I was supposed to do, and still didn't step into that place of healing. She said, in spite of my diligence 
and my habits, which were done with a good heart and real intent. I wasn't ever consistently at peace. What an amazing, amazing statement. I was ignorant to how my thoughts were sabotaging my spiritual health and leaving me weary of life in her thoughts. Now, the good news is this. I'll, I'll just put this to bed right now. She stepped into an amazing place of health and healing. But this t- took place and this happened as a result of her changing her focus and the direction of her worship or her worship. She became less worried about the internal conversation of her thoughts and redirected them to give worth and focus upon Jesus. And it took her 40 years to do that. And yet God held her hand and was patiently walking with her until she came into that place of freedom where she no longer walks in fear and suffers from those disorders of which she had battled with for such a long time. And you see, the Bible's full of stories. The Bible's full of stories of of people who have battled with areas of um, unbelief and and areas of their thought and areas of their faith and and, and walking in those places. Um, we're going to look at a whole bunch of scriptures. So I hope you've got your Bibles handy because uh, we're going to write, I'm going to run through a bunch of scripture and a bunch of uh, examples of where Jesus moved on people who struggled in their belief, unbelief versus belief. Here we go. We ready? John 14 verse 1. It says, Jesus said, let, your, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. All right. He, he said, don't, don't, don't be troubled. Don't be anxious. Believe in Father. Believe in God. Now, he said, believe in me. There's this element of trust. Take your focus off the troubles and place your focus on him. Right. John 20 verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, so this is after, <clears throat> this is after Jesus was crucified. He came back. He showed up. Pretty funky party trick. He just appeared in the room, uh, you know, started to eat and, and and uh, do some amazing things. And then there was Thomas. Many people have heard a doubting Thomas, right? So Thomas was like, I see you, but I do not believe what I'm seeing, right? And so Jesus said this. He said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. And so he was, he was, he was t- talking about, you know, the holes. Jesus was talking about the holes where the nails went in his hands. Look at my hands and reach your hand in here and put it into my side. So here we're talking about the the scarring of Jesus' body where he had been pierced through, right? Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Do not be unbelieving. This is like a command that Jesus gave with absolute authority. He said, he said, I understand and I'm trying to prove everything to you, Thomas. I'm trying to show you that this is real. You can't get more real than this. Here, check it out, put it in, right? You can't get more real than this. But what he's saying is, do not be unbelieving. There's a command here, do not be unbelieving, but be believing. Mark chapter nine, verse 24 says, 
says this. Um, there was the story of the, of the father of a child and, uh, and, uh, and he was looking for his child to be healed. And Mark chapter 9 verse 24 said, immediately the father of the child cried out and he said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. <laughs> It's, 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 it's incredible. It's incredible. Here is this place. Here is this moment of where uh, this father, he believed and yet still he knew he was torn between that place of believing or unbelieving. He, he, he was saying, Lord, I, I, I believe. I get it. I have to believe. And yet, and yet at the same time, help me in my unbelief. Anybody relate to that? I know I can relate to that. You know, there's so many times, so many times that, you know, I I myself have believed for something and yet there's this niggling doubt. There's this niggling little thing that says, I'd relate to this father. God, I I believe in you. I believe that you can do all things. I believe that you can heal me. I believe that you can restore me. I believe that I can step out in faith. But Help my unbelief at the same time. What an amazing statement that that father made, right? First Peter chapter 5, verse 10 says this, And may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, per, uh, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Sometimes in our process of going from a place of unbelief into a place of belief is this uh we 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 can often um look let me put it this way you can step into this place of allowing those doubts and those thoughts to strengthen and build you up into a place of knowing what you do believe and what you don't believe does it make sense? So what happens is this, is that after, it says here in First Peter, after you've suffered a while, guess what? As you suffer, as you work out how you are, you know, how's, how your life is, where your soul is at, where your spirit's at, where your mind is at, after you've suffered a while, then allow God through his eternal glory, through Christ Jesus, allow him to perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. What a, what a great statement. Settle you. To settle you. His perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. It, it, so it, it's for you to be perfect. Wow. What an amazing uh, a statement of potential. What an amazing statement of where we can go from this place of being unsettled or, or in fear or anxious or even like that father said. He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I think that needs to be our prayer constantly. Lord, I believe. But in every area of my heart where there is unbelief, help me in that place. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding internal weight of glory. <laughs> hey, look, whenever you're going through darkness and whenever you're going through a hard time, 
It doesn't feel like it's just for a moment, does it? it it's, it's just like, uh, this doesn't feel like it's for a moment. It feels like, when will this lockdown ever end? When will this season ever end? It's not fun at all. When will this sickness end? You know, Jesus, I believe that, you, that you've paid the price for me. I believe that you've done everything for me at the cross. And you see, at that moment and at that place, we, we, we go, God, help me in this suffering, this light affliction, which is but for a moment, even though it doesn't feel like it's for a moment. But understand that it is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Weight of glory. Romans chapter 5, verses 3, verse 5. Uh, three to five and not only that but we also glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces uh, I love this verse but gee it's tough isn't it right so and not only that but we also glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us tribulations produce something in us that without them we would never be able to develop that uh, light affliction those areas of challenge that we face and don't get me wrong God will use everything to our advantage and his advantage we know that Uh, God doesn't send sickness for us to endure so that we can perfect our character and, and, you know, get better in who we are, right? That's not his way. It's, it would be like a, a father who says that he's a really, really good father and breaks his child's arm and then goes, hey, you know, I broke your arm so I can show you what I can do. You know, be healed. Bam. You know, everything's better. It, it, God is not abusive in that way. But we do know that we live in a fallen world. And we do know that, you know, we ha- there are trials that we do face. And I'm here to say, if you are facing a trial that I I want you to be encouraged by today's message that you can be like that father says, Lord, I believe, but, but in the areas where there is unbelief, help me in my unbelief. So Romans, uh, let's go to Ephesians chapter four, verse 23. And it says this and be, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7 do not be anxious about anything but it but in everything by prayer and supplication and thank, thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus remember the story about the lady that I started with how she said her own thoughts were sabotaging and feeding that fear and anxiety you see This is why the scripture in Ephesians chapter 4 says, allow the word to renew your mind. Allow Jesus to renew your thoughts. Because as your thoughts are renewed, then I'll tell you what happens. Your focus becomes less about the broken parts of you. And your focus moves to be on Jesus. And when our focus moves to be on Jesus then what starts to happen is it enables him. It gives him permission 
to begin to heal our hearts and our lives. And this is an exciting journey that we're on. When we worship, our hearts, minds and bodies are turned to God. The Bible says it this way. When we turn to God, a veil is lifted. And I pray today that as you hear and as we step into a time of worship, and that's why we're, that's why we're having worship at the, at the end of today, as you step into that place of worship, that that veil will come off your mind, that you'll be alleviated. You'll be, you'll be in that place of that father crying out saying, Lord, uh, I believe, but help me in my unbelief, right? It is hard to truly worship and not be in a place of submission and awe. Let me expand on that a little bit. So, if I was to step in and if I was to walk into Buckingham Palace uh, and, and if I was just like casually, you know, just sort of walk in, you know, shirt hanging out, filthy shoes, and I just walk in and I just, you know, sit myself down on Queen Elizabeth's favourite chair and, you know, I just put my feet up at the same time and I just kick back. It... it, it, it it would, it would be wrong, right? It would be completely and totally wrong. I imagine that if I was able to walk into Buckingham Palace, I would be in awe of the architecture and the, the artwork and, and, and the, the magnificence of the building. But at the same time, I would absolutely recognise the authority that is in the house as well. And you see, it's like that with us when we come to worship God, when we offer up worth to, to, to the Lord. It is hard to truly worship and not be in a place of submission to him. Lord, I submit myself to you and I am in awe of who you are and what you're doing. And what happens is it turns our unbelief towards Belief towards that place of believing in him and submitting ourselves in worship before him. So there are moments when we don't feel like worship. Let me tell you, <laughs> there are moments that, you know, I know that I need to be on my knees before the Lord. And yeah, I do not feel like doing that right now. And, you know, that's OK as well. There are moments like that. We may feel flat. We may, you know, uh, we may just, you know, we may not feel like raising our voices or offering ourselves in that way. I get it. But one thing that we are always able to do, wherever we are, at any moment, at any time, is turn our hearts and our minds towards the Lord and be reminded of his promises that he would never leave us or forsake us. That every now and then there'll be those moments of those doubting Thomas of where Jesus himself is standing before us and we, you know, we're just not quite sure yet. But even in those moments, Jesus will say, believe, 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 believe. You can turn the person, just whack him on the arm and say, believe, right? Not too hard. So worship looks like many things. It has many different sounds. It has many different results. But there is one focus. One focus. Our focus is on God. 
as we turn to the Lord, his focus is turned to us. Our thinking changes the landscape of our life. Um, scientists have actually discovered that waterfalls can show up anywhere along a river. And when I use the word, it can show up quickly, you need to understand it's like, you know, it, it might take a couple of weeks, which when you look at the shape of, of a river is quickly, right? The changing the landscape, uh, the, 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 I'm going to start reading that again. Scientists have discovered that waterfalls can show up anywhere along a river, quickly in geological views of time, right? Changing the landscape because of the movement of silt and sediment wearing down the rocky layer between and beneath the river. If we can imagine that, right, uh, uh, water running down, it's starting to wash away the silt and move rocks and everything, and suddenly there's a drop, right? If we use this image of changing landscapes as if it were our minds and the way we think, we can actually reshape our mental health. We can redirect our anger and we can actually work within our hard emotions by allowing God's word to pour over us in that way. Negative thoughts can wear us away. Those thoughts can, can, can create those cascading moments of where our emotions are either shot way up high or down low. But you see, if we allow the word, just like a river flowing down, that river can change the landscape naturally, so too the word can change the landscape of our mind. So sometimes we can have healthy doubts as well. Those negative thoughts and, and, and uh, you know, those times where we might doubt ourselves or the doubt God or that moments of unbelief, right? Do you know that questioning your faith or experiencing doubt does not actually mean that your faith isn't real or that you're not spiritual? I remember going to Bible college and a couple of times I, I, I was walking out of Bible college just going, oh my goodness, do, do I even believe in God? <laughs> just simply because my foundations were being rattled. But in those moments, what was actually happening is, is it's sorting out, do I believe? What do I believe? And how is that going to change the landscape of the way that I think, I react and I respond, right? Um, the Barna Company, who's a research company, reports that two-thirds of Christians have doubts. <laughs> I probably think all of Christians, or everyone has doubts, right? But we need to understand that having questions is normal. Tim Keller writes this, I quote, A faith without some doubts is like a human body without antibodies in it. People who blithely go through life too busy or indifferent to hard, ask hard questions about why they believe as they do will find themselves defenseless against either the experience of tragedy or the probing questions of a smart skeptic. A person's faith can collapse almost overnight if he or she has failed over the years to listen patiently to her own doubts. 
which should only be discarded after long reflection. Believers should acknowledge and wrestle with doubts. It is no longer sufficient to hold beliefs just because you inherited them. That's good beliefs, wrong beliefs. Healthy doubt is a good thing because it helps us ask questions. It helps us become a spiritual scientist to press into the things of God, to work through the areas that God has designed for us to work through. As we experience those doubts, this is where worship kicks in. Doubts are okay. Let me, let, let me make that very, very clear. Doubts are okay. To question God is actually okay as well because that's an invitation and he loves an invitation. God, why is this happening? Why isn't this happening? Why am I not being healed? Why was this person healed? To ask those questions is so healthy. This is where worship kicks in. Worship activates correct positioning, superior truth, right relationship, adjusted acknowledgement, and our appropriate attention. Ultimately, the results of worshiping God recognizes the truth of who we are and who he is. The effect of recognizing who we are and who he is, is healing, health, life. John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, I came to give life and life abundantly. We only have to look at various examples throughout the Bible of worship. The alabaster jar being broken over Jesus' feet, worth so much. The story of the 10 lepers. Well, it's the story of the 10 lepers, but it's the story of the one in reality. Because only one came back to worship Jesus. And only one was made whole. The other nine were healed, but only one, the Bible says, was made whole. That's in Luke 17. The story of the woman from Canaan in Matthew chapter 15. That's the story of where, of where uh, she came for, for healing for her family. And Jesus said, no, no, go away, woman. You're not, a, you're not a Jew. And, uh, and she said, yes. Uh, she, she's, that's the story of where she talked about that even the little dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. And Jesus said these words about her. I have never seen such faith. I've never seen such belief. That woman came to him in worship because she bowed down to him. Worship is powerful. Power comes from the faith in which you cultivate. Who the worship is directed to and the heart from where it is coming from. So we're going to step into this moment right now. We're going to step into this place of worship. And next week, next week we are going to, to, uh, to, to ex I'm going to expand on this a whole lot more. We're about, man, if I was to look at, show you my notes right now, we're about a third of the way in. But this is going to get unpacked in a very, very significant way. 
But right now, what I want to encourage you in the in is this. As we press into worship, you can be like that father. I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. You can have those healthy questions and yet still direct your thoughts towards him. And like the power of that water creating waterfalls quickly, the mind, the landscape of our mind can be changed, adjusted and moved into a place of great health and great healing. There's a scripture of where something significant happened. <clears throat> David, King David, uh, who at that point wasn't a king. He had been anointed, but he had not been appointed. And in that moment and in that place, um, he was serving under King Saul, uh, another, another king. And King Saul was troubled by demonic entities. He was, he was troubled uh, by, by fears and anxiety and, and he would lash out and become very angry and he would lose proper and true perspective on the world. And one of his faithful aides said, look, you know, I know an anointed and skilled musician. Let him come and let him minister to you. And the Bible talks about this and tells us that when David played his harp, and we don't know whether he sang and we don't know what, what he did, but we, we do know that as David worshipped on his instrument, what happened is the atmosphere changed. King Saul's mind was brought into a place of peace. That is what my encouragement for you here today is. Your posture and your commitment to worship cultivates relationship with God. This impacts the depth of your faith. Faith activates the power of God on the earth. And when faith is activated, this looks like healing. Healing looks like something. I want to encourage you in this. As we press into worship right now, Healing looks like something. I want you to do this. I want you to turn your heart. I want you to turn your mind towards the Lord. Just for a moment. Just for the next 15 minutes. Right? That you would just turn your heart to him. And then when we're finished worship, I want you to test a few things out. You might, you might, you, you might have had a sore joint or... Um, even now, even now, I just sense the Holy Spirit just breaking off depression right now. Depression right now. That's what I believe is going to happen during this time of worship. Um, there is somebody with uh, joint soreness and stiffness that the Lord is healing. Even now, even as I say these words, that's taking place. Um, in this moment, and if you're with others, or even if you're by yourself. Um, I want you just in faith. We can't lay hands on you at the moment, and, and, and you know, that might be something new to you. But wherever you have pain, wherever you need healing, whenever, wherever you say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. 
wherever that might be, shoulder, knee, it might be on your finances, whatever that might be, just place your hand on that space. Place your hand on that area right now. And I'm going to pray for healing for you right now. And if you're with somebody, you might just ask them, hey, would you be able to just place your hand on my shoulder, place your hand on my neck? And if you're starting even now to sense the Holy Spirit and something changing within your body or, or, or adjusting or you start to experience health and healing in that area, we would love to hear about it. We would love to hear what the Lord is doing. No matter how small it is, how insignificant you might think it is, we're going to celebrate it with you together. Okay? So right now, we're going to pray. Jesus, right now, I just thank you for your finished work of the cross. Father, I thank you that you have called and purposed us into a place of great health. Holy Spirit, we invite you now to come. Fall and flow through each and every single person, bringing health, life in Jesus' name.